Support for this episode comes from Cowcat Black Box Theatre, presenting Billy, Backstage with Lady Day, a two-act musical play written and performed by Emmy Award winner Cynthia L. Hardy. Cowcat Black Box Theatre presented three sold-out performances of Billy Backstage with Lady Day in July of 2021. And now, backed by popular demand, Billy will play four performances, December 14, 15, 16, and 17. Billy Backstage with Lady Day combines storytelling and song to capture the essence of Billy Holiday's music and life. Featuring a jazz quartet, the show is part documentary, part concert. Don't miss this award-winning show, winner of two NAACP awards for Best One-Person Show and Best Musical Director. For more information and for tickets, visit www.calcapblackbox.com or call 916-706-2000. And now for today's show. Hi everyone, this is the Rancho Cordova podcast brought to you by the California Capitol Film Office. I'm Charles Lego. On today's episode, we talk with longtime Rancho Cordova City Council member, Linda Budge. Linda has lived in the Rancho Cordova area for more than 40 years and has been involved in almost all aspects of community life in Rancho Cordova. She was elected to the first city council when the city incorporated in 2003 and was re-elected in November of 2006, 2010, 2014, and 2018. She served four terms as mayor in 2004, 8, 13, and 18, and was vice mayor in 2007, 12, and 17, and is in fact today the vice mayor. The Taiwanese have never wanted to go back to mainland China. Right. My dad flew B-24s in the China-Burma-India theater. They flew the hump. They bombed the bridge over the River Kwai. They supported... They wait, wait, wait a second. Your he father did. was one of the bombers for well, the bridge over the River Kwai? Linda and I had a wide-ranging conversation about all things Rancho Cordova, but first we got to know Linda. I hope you enjoy the show. Charles, I grew up in an Air Force family. After World War II, my parents had gone to Fort Worth, Texas. My dad was trying to get a job because at that point in time, we had so many young men who knew how to fly airplanes, but not much else. And um, he had been a musician in high school and college, so he was looking for something in the aircraft industry. Um, the predecessor of General Dynamics was there, and he tried to get a job, but there wasn't anything. So six months after I was born in Fort Worth, then we moved back to Birmingham, Alabama, where my dad had grown up. My mother is from a little town uh, outside of Austin, Texas. And we were in Birmingham for at least four years. We lived next door to my grandparents, which is a wonderful way for little kids to grow up. Everyone should have that benefit. Um, my sister was born, and then my dad got called up for Korea, and we started moving with the Air Force. We went to Columbus, Georgia for a little while. We went to Columbia, South Carolina, where he taught ROTC for three years, and then he was transferred overseas, and we, um, we ultimately ended up in Burtonwood, England. We were there for uh, three and a half years. We came back to Westover, Massachusetts between um, um, whatever, <laughs> Springfield and Holyoke. Then in 59, we were transferred to Robbins Air Force Base in middle Georgia. And that's where I went to junior and senior high school graduated from Warner Robins High School, went to the University of Georgia for a couple of years. I smile because you've just answered four questions that I have for you in one question, which is very good. So you were a military brat. Yes. You, and you went to overseas, you went to England? Yes, we did. Do you, do you have <clears throat> memories of England? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I have been blessed with the ability to remember um, so much of my early life, just like my mother. And um, I really enjoyed England. It was, for a long time, it was the place that I had lived the longest in my life. 
And I we lived um, at a, we did not live at Burtonwood. We lived off base in a place called Scotia North, which had been a Royal Naval installation. And so what they had done was divide uh, divide the office buildings into um, housing, and then the uh, a very long complex uh, that had been the base the hospital there was divided into cafeteria, gym. Um, classrooms, and then a theater at the far end. And the parents ran the theater. Everybody took turns making popcorn, and the price of the movie was 25 cents, and the price of the popcorn was 25 cents. But it was classic northern England with fog, especially at that point in time. So so this was in the north of England? Yes. Where was it again? It's Burtonwood, up between Liverpool and Manchester. Oh, okay. And I didn't know it until a few years ago, but Burtonwood was actually the main maintenance base for the Berlin airlift. Okay. But I don't have any recollection because my dad ran the post office. Right. He was the APO officer. Right, right. Okay. So you came back to America, and what age were you when you came back? Um, I did the fifth and sixth grade in Massachusetts. Okay. So you went through high school in Massachusetts? No. We moved in 59, and I went to junior and senior high school in Warner Robins, Georgia. Okay. So you really have moved around. Well, but for us, it was like going home with my dad and my my grandparents still in Birmingham. Um, My dad's father's family is all from Monticello, Georgia. I'm related to all of Jasper County, Georgia. And so um, for us, it was really like going home. Okay. But at that point in time, I was, I was 12 or 13, and junior high is a very horrible time for most children. And I didn't react very well. Right. But I, I, got, I warmed up. So did you enjoy high school? Were you a good student? Very good student, egghead sort, um, shy. Um, it is fair to say that I know my classmates a lot better today than I did at that point in time. Wow. And But, of course, we all stay connected with Facebook. Right. And, and I will say we are relatively famous. Um, we have a governor of Georgia who got to be secretary of agriculture in our class. Oh, really? Okay. In which administration? Well, it's um, uh, Sonny Perdue. Oh, Sonny Perdue, yeah. Yeah, he got elected in 2002, the same year that we incorporated. Right. And uh, funny story, I walked into Shelley Blanchard's office when she was at the grapevine then, and and we were talking about the election, and and I said, you know, Shelley, I just heard... Sonny's name on the radio, and I'd, he got elected to something, but I don't know what. And the last time I'd seen him, he was on the planning commission. And, and Shelley said, um, well, they've had this big kind of uh, party change in Georgia, so maybe he's a part of that. Like he got elected to the state senate or something. So I went home and Googled the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and Sonny had gotten elected to the whole damn state to be wow. the governor. You know, that wow. was a surprise. So two, that was Bush. He was for Bush, with Bush? Um, actually, he was he was Secretary of Agriculture under Trump. Oh, Trump. Okay, He's one Sonny of two yeah, secretaries yeah, yeah. who right. lasted the entire time. And are you in touch with him? Yes, yeah. as a matter of fact. Um, first of all, when we would have high school reunions, then Sonny would um, host us at the governor's mansion okay. in Atlanta. My dad wanted to know if it was the old governor's mansion or the new governor's mansion. Um, And then when he was secretary of agriculture, I took the, um, uh, on our cap-to-cap program through the Metro Chamber, I took the agriculture team to meet with Sonny uh, at the um, Department of Agriculture. Okay. Very nice. And you're still in touch with people that you went to school? Yes. Wow. There are fewer and fewer of us. Unfortunately, yeah. 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 So after high school, was there college? Yes, I went to the University of Georgia. Yeah. Um, my parents, <laughs> my dad had gotten transferred to Taipei, Taiwan, um, and um, I didn't want to go. I was determined to go off to the university. So they went off to Taiwan with my sister, and um, I went up to the University of Georgia for two years. Well, so your parents really did travel. You know, um, yes, we did, but... 
We were in Georgia for six years, and that is really rare in the Air Force, especially at that point in time. Right. Okay. And did you enjoy college? Were you a good student at college? Yes and no. Yeah. That's the <laughs> um, normal answer with college. Well, uh, to begin with, everybody else was taking these really fun classes and from some fun professors. So math has never been my subject. And I had taken uh, freshman algebra uh, during summer school and didn't pass it. And so I had to repeat the freshman algebra as a freshman at the university. Um, and where everybody else had this wonderful professor called Dr. Nuttycomb for their um, um, geography, I think it was, I got a gentleman who was a geneticist. And all I remember is Mendel's red and white and pink peas. I never had a clue what the man was talking about. Wow. So I didn't have any really cool classes until the second um, second year. Right. And then I did. I took uh, geography. I took world history. I took art. Um, really had a great time. Right. The other thing that was fun about the university, um, um, aside from the history and aside from the football team, um, um, it's on a quarter system. So it was the first time I'd ever had to take um, physical education in school. Right. Because w there was not a requirement in junior or senior high. And so I took the neatest range of things. I took fencing because I'm a fan of <laughs> movies like that. Right. Um, I took tennis, which I don't see well enough to play tennis. Right. Um, I took modern dance. I took interpretive dance. Um, I took bowling twice because the guy I was dating was a big bowler. And so... Um, you mean bowling like in a bowling alley? Yeah, like That's in a bowling alley. That's a college alley. course? It was. It was? It was. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, um, yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed the second year much more than the first year. So when you were at college, did you? What was your ambition? What What were you going to be? Oh, actually, I went to college as a French major. French. Yes, and um, because I had taken French all through high school, uh, well, all three years that they offered it, and then took Spanish uh, as a junior. But um, um, if I had been the kind of kid who was inclined to run away, I might have run away when I was in high school and gone to Paris to be a translator for the UN. Right. And so that was the kind of thing I aspired to. And and the only problem was um, at the end of the second year, our final was an essay, 10-page essay in French about a, defining a, a quote from La Rochefoucauld about pity. At 20 years old, I couldn't have written you 10 pages in English about pity, right? let alone French. right? So I switched to world history as a major. Okay. So when you were at college, though, did you have, did you know what you were going to do, or did you, were you still finding your way? You know, doing life. Oh, actually, uh, uh, no, I had no clear goal. No. Other, other than to learn to speak French really yeah. well. And do you speak French? I can communicate, yes. Yeah. Okay. When my husband and I went to France in '99, um, you could get you could find absolutely. your way around. Yeah. Because the French and I'm from England, and you go to France often, right. and the French are not known for you know you go and you say do you speak English and they do and they say no, but you know they do really they just uh, they insist that you speak French, they, and and and, that, and that's just fine you know and and a smile will get you a lot right, and um, the only time we got into trouble was um, one time in a cafeteria, a sort of a cafeteria place, and my husband wanted a dessert, and he went over and got it, and the waiter came and, and yelled at him because he hadn't paid for it, and we right. didn't realize the dessert was not a part of the, right, right. the preface. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. So you eventually you did leave college. So yes. So what was the next part of your life? Well, actually, the two summers... <clears throat> The two summers in college, um, I uh, flew to Taiwan to spend with my parents. Right. Um, and um, and actually, the way the way college worked with because my grandparents were still in Birmingham, 
So the young man I was dating, who was who ultimately became my first husband, right. um, would put me on an airplane in Atlanta on Friday night. Thirty minutes later, my grandpa would pick me up uh, at the airport in Birmingham, and I would spend the weekend with them. And then on Sunday afternoon, Grandpa would put me on the train. And it would take three hours to get back to the train station in Atlanta, and I'd do my homework on the train. So it worked out really well. Right. But, um, but yeah, I spent the two summers in Taiwan with okay. my parents. And in July of 67, they were transferred back to Davis-Monthan in okay. Tucson. And so we all flew home together. By that time, my, um, uh, my first husband and I were engaged, and so we flew into Seattle, Tacoma, drove down to Portland and bought a car, then drove down to Sacramento so that they could meet my fiancé and his parents, whom they didn't know from Adam. Right. And, um, and then we drove all the way back across country to Birmingham uh, to pick up the dog, who our poodle. We got a poodle in London when I was a kid. Oh, you did? Yeah. And you brought it back? Oh, oh, God, yes. That dog was a world traveler. Yeah, wow. Dog came back to the United States. Right. She lived in several states. She went to Taiwan with them. She came back from Taiwan, moved to Tucson with them. Wow. And like you said about your dog, she yeah. was 17 or 18. Yeah. yeah. So, But, yeah, so we had to go all the way back to Birmingham to say hello to everybody and um, pick up the dog and, and drove cross-country saying hello to all of my mom's relatives in Texas, and then to Tucson. Okay. And so I never went back to the University of Georgia. So Taiwan is very in the news these days. Do you yes, have, it is. Do I you have, have very strong feelings about that. You do? What are your feelings? The Taiwanese have never wanted to go back to mainland China. Right. My dad uh, flew B-24s in the China-Burma-India theater. They flew the hump. They bombed the bridge over the River Kwai. They supported... They did? Wait, wait, wait a second. Your he father did. was one of the bombers for well, the bridge over the River Kwai? All right, with the caveat that the River Kwai is a very long river and it right. has a lot of bridges. Right. But my dad always said that as they came in on their bombing runs, they could see the prisoners working on the bridge, just like the movie with right. Alec Guinness. Yeah. So... But at any rate, they had done everything they could to support uh, the Generalissimo. And so Chiang Kai-shek was actually the Generalissimo in, in Taipei when we were there. We were right. stationed in Taipei with the Military Assistance Advisory Group. And, um, and so, and actually, um, because of my dad's role in World War II, they presented him with a pair of Chinese wings, which he treasured to thank him for wow. having supported the nationalists. And what? how did you find Taiwan? What is it like? Uh, perfectly beautiful. Yeah. Yes, between Taiwan and Hong Kong, the green, the lushness. Right. Um, I, I, people will think it's weird. I've never felt the need to go to Hawaii because I thought I'd seen the greenest places on earth. Yeah. Until we went to Costa Rica in 2008. Right. Yeah, but, Costa Rica. But... Um, yeah. Perfectly beautiful, um, very nice people. As a matter of fact, in closing my mom's house, I've put away, I've been going through a lot of photographs that, that she sent and looking at where they lived, which was um, kind of in the foothills of Yangminshan, which is the Green Mountain, which is where Madame Chiang Kai-shek had her hotel, right. uh, uh, the Grand Hotel up on top. My mom went up there and took cooking classes. And... Um, but everything behind them was all terraced rice paddies up the hills. Um, the little village that they lived in, Tianmu, um, uh, next door to them was a little shop where everybody came. Um, there was a stage across the street, and at least once a year they had Chinese opera, which went on like all week for 24 hours a day wow. with lots of banging and bells and everything you would think of with Chinese opera. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that sounds beautiful. My mother loved the, loved the faces. Yeah. And but my mother is a person who has always been interested in everywhere. Right. Uh, she never met a person she couldn't talk to. Right. And um 
and she whether they when they were in England, she entertained the English ladies. Um, she belonged to the WI. Um, she got to tour Parliament because somebody's husband was a member of the um, a member of the Parliament, uh, a member of the the Commons. Um, so when they were in in Taiwan, she became just as involved there, and she actually did a an English translation of the uh, one of uh, Chiang Kai Shek's birthday celebrations. So she really got herself immersed in the whole Absolutely. Chinese culture. Yeah. Yes. So turning your politician, so turning political just for a moment. Um, what did you th- What do you think when you know, like Nancy Pelosi, for instance, goes to Taiwan, and then the Chinese president is up in arms and threatens this, that, and what? What are you have? As someone who has such a love for it, what are your thoughts on that? I completely applaud Nancy Pelosi for going. I completely applaud John Garamendi and his colleagues who went the week right. later. Exactly. I mean, the notion that a that um, a different country could say, well, you can't go to that country is oh, a little it, odd. And you add that to the background of, of poor Ukraine. Yeah. And it just, um, I get a newsletter every morning from the Air Force Association. Yeah. And. Um, no, Ukraine is tragic. It is. It's it tragic. is. So. Yeah. So um, once you left college, what was your first job? Mm. What did you do first? Yeah. Um, we came up here in. We got married and immediately came up here in October of 67. Up here to Rancho Cordova? Uh, yes, although yeah. for the first couple of years, we lived in a variety of places. Right. And um, Because you arrived here in 1971. Yes, yeah. in Rancho Cordova. Yeah. Yes. So, um, um, so like for those, as I said, for those few years, we lived in, in several different places. But I, in October or, or November probably, um, I went to work at Macy's, um, oh. you know, when they put on their Christmas help. Yep, yep. So I went to work at Macy's as a flyer. Macy's was only four years old in the downtown plaza at that time. And, um, and actually, uh, next door to Macy's, on the west side, the freeway was not yet finished. There was a lot of construction. So this is Macy's downtown? Macy's downtown. The one that's still there? Correct. Wow. Okay, there. I just drove by there the other day. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was uh, a big parking lot. Um, Chinatown yeah. was the couple of blocks north uh, up around J Street. And uh, Chinese laundries, the offices of the Guomintang were up there. And if we worked at night, the security guards walked us out to our cars. Um, there was... Of course, it, this is way before any mall was built, but um, and I so I ended up staying. I no. I was a flyer. I substituted. What, what is a flyer? I substituted for a variety of departments. Oh, okay. At the beginning, it was the lease departments: the um, Russell Stover's Candies, the uh, Pictures and Mirrors, right? The um, um, China Silver and right a glassware. Which was perfect for me because having just gotten married and right. and and done the whole thing that people did in those days, selecting a china pattern, selecting a silver right. pattern, I knew every silver pattern. So you by enjoyed every manufacturer. working there. I loved it. Yeah. But the funny thing was, a little bit later, I went back to school for a year at Sac State, and I took advertising, retailing, and salesmanship, and it taught me how to be better, and and I really enjoyed what I was doing. Right. But Macy's at that point in time taught customer service too, right? Um, and and they told us everything that was going on in the store. I I often feel people don't get any customer service training right. anymore. And then you ended up obviously moving to Rancho Cordova. It wasn't Rancho Cordova then. What what was it then? Was it just Sacramento? Uh, no, um, uh, the name Rancho Cordova. Uh, dates it actually has its origins in the the Cordova vineyards from the late 1800s and early okay. 1900s. Uh, wine from the Cordova vineyards was served at Teddy Roosevelt's inaugural table. Oh, that's how famous they were. But then after um, World War II, then California was in a drought. Sound familiar? And the um, the people in the legislature 
kept raising everyone's uh, property taxes to what they thought was the highest and best use, regardless of how you were using the land. So Roland Federspield, who owned the Cordova Vineyards, said to his colleagues, "Um, I'm not making, nobody was drinking wine at that point in time. It's all Manischewitz or something from the East Coast. And so um, he said, I'm not making any money um, continuing to try to grow my grapes. So what I can do is build houses for all these young people coming back from World War II who want to have a house and a yard and an automobile. And so they started at the intersection of Zinfandel and Folsom Boulevard, and the town grew. They wanted to call it Rancho Cordova um, to, to preserve the Cordova name. And so Glenn Alstrom, who was one of the partners, went down to San Francisco, got the Postal Service to approve that. Because you remember the old franking stamp that everybody yeah. had had the name yeah. of their city around yep. it? Rancho Cordova just fit around that circle. And so they said, okay, you all can be Rancho Cordova. So Glenn That's, brought the post boxes uh, okay. back up, and we've been Rancho Cordova ever since the mid-'50s. So when you first moved here, what part of Rancho did you live in? On the west side, actually, we were in Riviera East at so, the top of Bradshaw. So 1971, and here we are, I don't know how many years later, a lot of years. 50 somewhere. 50, yeah. It must have been a very different place than it is today, or not really? Yes, really. Yeah. Um, it's fun to get, uh, it, as I said, I didn't go to high school here, but um, it's fun to get with the uh, Cordova alumni and the people who've grown up here and listen to, as everybody shares their memories. Um, there's several of us who can walk you up Folsom Boulevard and tell you what was there before what is there now. Um, Rancho Cordova was stagnant. This whole area was stagnant because of the influence of Mather until, uh, well, basically from the early 80s to about uh, 96 or 97 when they started building um, the houses at... um, that took the place of the base housing at Mather. And so aside from Lincoln Village, Countryside, uh, White Rock, there was no housing south of of Folsom Boulevard, south of the freeway. The freeway didn't actually open until 74. Yeah. Um, uh, Everything that's Prospect Park, this building has been here for almost a century. Yeah. But everything that was... And this building is, for people who don't know, is the Old Mills Winery? Correct. Yeah. It w- actually, it was the Silver Brothers Winery. Okay. And the Silver Brothers, there were a lot of Portuguese wine growers and winemakers in this whole uh, Sacramento region. Okay. Um, so but, where all the warehouses are around us, that was just vineyards? Um some of it was just fields. Yeah. And but but some of this over here where the yes, down Horn Road. Yeah. Horn Road is named for Johnny Horn who had the house up on the hill that's now Utterbox Sod Farm. Okay. And I do seem to remember um trees in this area. Okay. Um the uh across the street on um both the east and west side of Rod Beaudry uh-huh. were just fields. Yeah. Um, actually, on the west side, it was a drive-in theater. Um, Not the one that's there now. No, that's on Bradshaw. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. Behind the, if you'll notice, between the gas station and the building to the east of it, there is a very large space. That was the 20-foot driveway that went back to the drive-in theater. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So now you're living in Rancho. You're married, children now, I'm sure, are coming. Yes. Yeah? Yes. And you're still not in politics yet. You're not in, you're not in the city no. sphere just yet. Okay. So what led you to become interested in eventually being the longest-running political person in Rancho Cordova? 
What was the spark that did that? I have a feeling I know. It, it, but... it was a spark. There's there's a lot of people who know this story, yeah. but um, um, in '75, uh, my late former mother-in-law had this article out of the V, and she said to me, "There's all these old men who keep running for local offices all around here, and they keep getting elected because nobody ever runs against them. You should run for something." Right. So I have been doing a TV program out at Channel 6. Right. Being in TV, of course, makes you feel like you can do anything. Exactly. As we see so often today. Yep. yep. <laughs> and so um, I said, okay, I can do that. So I looked around. So the first thing that came up, um, in this was before elections had been consolidated into like two-year spurts. So people had elections off and on. So in 95, the only thing that was available was the school district. Having not grown up in California, not having kids in school yet, I knew zero about the school district, so that's not a place I was going to belong. So in 96, I looked, um, the park district came up. And so you remember I lived next door to my grandparents. Yeah. So the lady who came to clean house on Fridays for my grandmother would walk me down to South Avondale Park, and we would feed the ducks. I love ducks. So I thought, okay, I can run for the park district. So I did that in 1996, and I didn't get elected, which happens to so many people who are real novices. So I spent the next two years getting to know everybody in town, meeting everybody in town, getting involved. I badgered the county supervisor until he uh, appointed me to the Planning Advisory Council, and I ran again in 98 and got elected, okay. and I served there for three terms, and I've held elected or appointed office ever since. And is this what we call the Cordova Park District Yes, now? Cordova yeah. Recreation and Park yeah. District, yes. Okay. And then from there, so when, so um, when did... This is before Rancho Cordova became incorporated. Yes. Yeah. So, so basically, um, all of us who were on the Planning Advisory Council, and it was quite large. There right. were about 15 people. And um, all of us were um, getting concerned about what was going on out here. And we felt that there really, we, it really could be a better future for Rancho Cordova. And... Um, we formed what was called the Rancho Cordova Improvement Association, and I was the chair, and um, and there were four members from Corpac and some other people, and then um, and then we decided that we really ought to incorporate, and we hired the gentleman who was running the local agency formation commission to write a study. Well, that happened to be the spring of '78, and in the fall of '78. Californians passed Proposition 13, which completely revised the way in which local government is funded in California. And everything that John O'Farrell had put into that report was negated by that action. So he helped us figure out what else to do um, in place of being an incorporated city. We uh, worked with a professor at UC Davis who'd written a book called Choices for the Unincorporated Government or unincorporated county, I think it was. And we decided we would write a sphere of influence. So the incorporation committee set out to do that. So the incorporation committee, um, I co-chaired with a gentleman named Bill Riggs, who was the veterinarian. And he also happened to be the uh, president of the Chamber of Commerce. And I was chair of the um, uh, of CORPAC, the Planning Advisory Council. Bob McGarvey, George Burnash, Alan Colster, Sharon Neese, uh, there were about a dozen of us. And we wrote a sphere of influence. We got it adopted at LAFCO. It was very controversial because it was the only sphere of influence done for an unincorporated area for years and years and years, decades. Right. And, um, and so that was in 82. And so we said, okay. And so Bob McGarvey, bless his heart, our Energizer yeah. Bunny, yeah. kept this idea alive. He did a another um, he did an attempt to collect signatures to put it on the ballot right. in the late eighties. 
And that one didn't go anywhere because they didn't have enough qualified signatures. So he kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. And, um, and then in, 90, in the early 90s, they dusted off the idea again, added more people to the committee, and uh, Bob and Dave Roberts really took over. And right. they went out on another signature drive. They had a huge percentage, something like 98% of the signatures they turned in were valid, registered voters. Yeah. So that worked. So then they had to raise the money to do an EIR, an environmental impact report. They had to raise the money to do a municipal services uh, report. And then ultimately we got to LAFCO in 2000 and spent a couple of years negotiating with Sacramento County over what area would be in the city and how much our payment called revenue neutrality would need to be. Right. And in um, the summer of 2002, we finally got approved at LAFCO. We were on the ballot. Um, our average approval rate uh, of voters was 77%. In uh, north of the river, where the addresses are, Rancho Cordova, we had precincts that voted in the 98 and 99 percentile. Lincoln Village, where they have Sacramento addresses, voted uh, 57, 58, 59% in there, and the average was 77. It, it's remained the highest percentage of people wanting to incorporate Corporate, their yeah. city ever wow. in California. So now we're at 2003, and Correct. we incorporate. Um, and you were involved from day one. You were elected to the city council Correct. right away. And then you very quickly became the second mayor when yes. Rancho Cordova's first mayor, Dave Roberts, died suddenly while jogging. Well, actually, um, we agreed that we would hold office based on the um, highest ranking vote getter on down. And so we actually were... Our, our incorporation date was the first of January, uh, uh, the first of July, 2003. So Dave was mayor for that first six months. So then I took over in uh, January of 2004. And you're right, Dave abruptly passed away while jogging in wow. April of 2004. It was an absolute shock. And that must have been a shock for everybody. I it would think it was a shock. A new city. It was a shock. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to talk about Rancho. That was a morning I'll never forget. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about that because I have that here. What, like, what happened? So one day he just, so he was very popular, right? He was very popular. Yeah. yeah. David, his wife stopped, Susan stopped going to the grocery store with him because it would take Dave hours to get through right, the grocery store because he wanted to talk to everybody. Right. But, um, but yeah, um, I don't know, it was something like the 26th of April. Um, I could be wrong, but I had a meeting in City Hall that morning with our um, our city manager, and I walked into City Hall, and the minute I walked in, here's the receptionist, who was a Rancho Cordova resident, and she's sitting there in tears, and she said, Dave just had a heart attack, and he didn't make it. Wow. So, okay. The first person who walked into City Hall after me was one of the um, sergeants in the police department. Right. And I turned to him and I said, um, we need you to go and sit with, with Susan. And we will need everything you, know, you can find in the department about Dave's bio, his service, that kind of thing. So he took off to go do that. And um, um, after the police department went off, um, to work on that, then I asked our employee number one, we, because we were all really good friends, and I told him to go and sit with Shelly because they had been Let great me just friends. Stop. What, what is employee number one? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, for, for, for a long time, Rancho Cordova's really only had about 85 people working for the city, directly for the city. Right. And everybody knows um, our city manager, Cyrus, is employee number four. Oh. Everybody, everybody oh, knows what okay. number. So we, who's number one? Kurt Haven. We oh, hired I know Kurt, Kurt Haven. Yeah, yeah we yeah, hired yeah. Kurt first. Okay. All right? 
and um, and and uh, and Cyrus was number four. So I asked Kurt to go and sit with Shelley because I knew she would be equally devastated. And um, and then we had another good friend um, um, who uh, was actually good friends with, um, and she'd been a part of our incorporation effort, and she was really good friends with Heather Fargo. And so Heather lent us her chief of staff for the day to help us um, uh, organize and make sure we were thinking of everything we needed to think of. And and so I just basically stayed at City Hall, and yeah. we all worked on this all day long. And then very quickly you became mayor. Were you appointed or elected? Actually, we take turns. Yeah, okay. We simply— Oh, we that's con- right. Yeah. We continue— Yeah. We continue to rotate. Yeah. And okay. um, yeah, so that it was it was Dave and then me and then Ken Cooley, and then um, Bob McGarvey and then David right. Sander. Those okay. were our first five. Well, now let's talk about Rancho Cordova today. But first, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by the CalCap Film Studios in Rancho Cordova. Video is one of the most progressive and cost-effective ways of getting your message seen and heard. It's hands down the best way to capture your audience and generate sales in today's digital world. CalCap Film Studios provides corporate, industrial, and commercial video production services that will propel your business towards success in today's digital frontier. At CalCap Film Studios, we know what you need and will inspire your audience with a message that's unique to your brand and business. For more information, call 916-706-2000 or visit www.calcapfilmstudios.com. And we're back with the Rancho Cordova All-American City podcast. Today we're here with Vice Mayor Linda Budge, the longest-serving elected city official in the history of Rancho Cordova. Before we got to the break, we got to know who Linda Budge is. So now let's talk about all things Rancho Cordova. So Sacramento is known as the City of Trees, but perhaps a lesser known fact is that the city of Rancho Cordova just received for the third year in a row Tree City USA designation from the Arbor Day Foundation for growing its urban tree canopy as well as the Tree City USA Growth Award for the increased level of tree care. I read that you were once very angered about a row of trees that were suddenly cut down on Bradshaw Road. Is that correct? And if so, tell us about that. Um, That's correct. Um, When you move to an area and it is blessed with um, large oak trees or other large trees, then um, it can be quite a shock when you wake up one morning and all of a sudden they're not there. Right. Um, and we had that happen several times in the, um, in the early history. Um, the, the trees on Bradshaw were cut down, uh, because, um, they were in preparation for the, um, uh, construction on Highway 50, as I said, opened it in 74. Um, but right at the corner of Bradshaw, we had two really enormous oak trees, on the west side, there was this cute little house where Stony Folks Jewelers was originally located, and their name was actually um, Stony, but the, the little house was made of stone. I just remember it was this really cute house, and and um, and the lady grew um, irises all over outside, and so uh, when when Larchmont started to build. In, in that in, on that side of the neighborhood, then a bunch of us went over and picked up iris bulbs and or rhizomes or whatever they are, and we all the neighborhood all had blue irises for years after that. Then on the east side of Bradshaw, where there's a building that was sun furniture, it was built to be a disco because it was disco time in the world, and um, and they chopped down this giant oak tree over there to put in this stupid little building. Wow. But I was, um, but in, in um, 82, um, both uh, Supervisor Isla Collin and Mayor Phil Eisenberg had taken trips to Israel. 
And they came back talking about this tree replacement program that Israel had um, as a national effort. Right. And so that was the era when downtown Sacramento was beginning to lose the elms because of the Dutch elm disease. And Phil was so concerned uh, that that they might lose that tree canopy, which is unique in big cities. Beautiful. Who else's big city Nobody. can you go yeah. to, you know? When I first moved here, it was incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. And so, I lived downtown. You could walk in the hottest day in the shade. It's absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. So you can understand that they wanted to, to take some steps right. to, if we were going to lose trees, how do we right. uh, so affirmatively the, replace them? So the city of Rancho is aggressive in the tree? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We are, our partner is the organization that came out of Phil and Isla's Desire, the Sacramento Tree Foundation. I was the founding president. Um, as we were incorporating the um, the Tree Foundation. And they are the ones who put on the Arbor Day celebrations all over uh, all over Sacramento, right. all over the county. Right. Um, they will they also partnered with SMUD and so people can get a free tree yeah. from SMUD, you know, the right tree in yeah. the right place. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. And yeah. to help and that's why right now in the drought we're we're trying again yeah. on a campaign to tell people to let their grass go, but water your tree. Trees, yeah. The tree is makes a significant difference Absolutely. in your your own personal environment. Right. I'm a big tree person. Great. Dog person and tree person. <laughs> so now we're going to just whisk through some city matters and just, just to get your perspective of them. Sure. So one of the most important things in life today, for me personally, more important than even electricity, is internet. You know, it's very difficult to do anything with that. If the internet goes off, you're dead. I'm lost. And on February 28, 2022, the city of Rancho, Sci-Fi Network, Gigabit Now announced the launch of Fiber City. Can you talk a little about that? Yes. Um, at no cost to the city, we are running uh, fiber uh, for the internet throughout Rancho Cordova. It will run by everybody's front door. Wow. You can even see it on Folsom Boulevard. Yeah. And um, it will simply be out there, and you will then, if people want to take advantage of it, you'll be able to work with a provider to, to have it um, uh, right. run Roll into your into house. Your yes. Yeah. It just, it's a remarkable, yeah. this is a remarkable effort. Um, we are so pleased to be able. These last two years have taught everybody exactly your lesson. Yeah. If you can't have your kids at home doing anything, if you don't have the ability absolutely. to keep them on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Another very important issue in this country, in particular, is veterans. Yes. So may the veterans village and the for listeners that are not familiar with the organization. Late last year, Mercy Housing California, nation's finest and the city of Rancho Cordova and the county celebrated the completion of three phases of Mather's Veterans Village. Can you tell us a little about that? Yes. Um, working with the homeless is, is like anything else. Not any one entity can solve the entire problem. As a former Air Force town who still that still has a lot of veterans living here, we felt that if we could serve the veterans and get to what they call functional zero, so that we didn't have any homeless veterans, then that would be the best thing we right. could possibly do. Yeah. There's um, there's 150 beds. There's uh, over 150 people living there simply because there's a, a couple of families or couples. And um, phases one, two, and three, this last phase, uh, the dormitory area really um, um, provides services. Uh, it's... Um, uh, the partners that you mentioned make sure that um, people have the services that they need. And, of course, it's across the street practically from the VA hospital, right. which has been expanding ever since the VA right. took over the old Mather Veterans Hospital. Uh, Mather hospital. And the city is very supportive. We're very supportive. Yeah. We are working with the county right now to um, identify additional property right there adjacent to the original Veterans Village so that we can continue to expand it so that there will be more living opportunities for our veterans. 
Another subject that's very interesting to me is, in general, the entertainment business. I'm in the film business, but I'm also in the theater business. I started in theater. The Mills Crossing um, Civic Center has been the subject on many people's mind, and there are good and bad opinions. I remember attending a, a meeting at City Hall, which became quite testy, on both sides. It's a project that focuses on the arts, health and wellness, cultural community space. I think there'll be a theater, housing, retail. It's a great project. It's right on Folsom, across from the MAC. Personally, I'm in total support. Why do you think so many people are opposed to a project like that? Unfortunately, the last two years have been rough on everybody, and and there has it's we've all seen a remarkable increase in anger and hostility. And of course, the internet. Um, any one person can sit at can sit at their computer and incorporate an organization, and then, as my Harvard professor said, become a pufferfish right. and um, and act like you have a large following. But people, a lot of people who live north of Folsom Boulevard don't want to see any more low-income housing, period. That's understandable. That's one of the reasons we incorporate it. We have to, however, be able to pay for this civic center. And, And so it's going to be a partnership between some of the organizations who either purchase or lease space within the, the complex itself or who rent the space, but then also being able to sell a few houses or apartments at the rear um, puts residential against residential right. as opposed to having um, an all-night band right. next to the residential. Right. But it gives us some income. There, you, you can't just build something without thinking about the long-term maintenance right. and operation. So the opposition is just housing. That's the only opposition to it. Well, there are people, there are people who feel there should have been a Winco grocery store there, and there are people who feel that we should have movie theaters there. But you, you are very much aware that either a Winco, that's only nine acres. Yeah. Either a Winco or movie theaters would be the only use. Right. And that's not the intent of this land. Right. It's across the street from a light rail station. As you say, it has the linkage with the MAC yeah. for the arts and exactly. entertainment linkage. Exactly. Um, it has the college next door yeah. for the incubator. for light the rail. Opera- yes, for the opportunity to, um, um, to, uh, to offer theater classes right. there. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. The city of Rancho is a very diverse community. 80,000 people live here. 65,000 come here every day to work. Rancho has been named the 29th most diverse city in the U.S. More than 90 languages spoken at our schools, which is incredible when I heard that. How important is diversity to the city? Extremely important. We There's a lot of us who feel that... Um, because we have military roots, and in the 50s and 60s, you know, the United States was welcomed around the world. And um, and so when other people from other countries have come to live with us, that's there's, there's it's an opportunity to give back. Right. But any way you look at it, um, actually, in 2002, we were named the most diverse city in the United States by Wall Street Journal wow. because Sacramento County was the most diverse county. But we are an area that is not segregated. We are an area where all of these cultures are integrated, living next door to each other. And we, at like unlike really big cities you can think of back east, there is no German town, no Irish town, no Polish town, no Italian village. We all live together. Um, it's, as you said, the 90 languages that are spoken in our schools are indicative of that. Yeah. Uh, we have the largest uh, number of Korean American-owned businesses yeah. in Sacramento County. KP International Market. Yes, we have an enormous uh, population from the Philippines here. Yeah, and that's on top of the Vietnamese who came in the 70s, uh, all of the 
people coming out of the former Soviet Union countries who came in the um, early 2000s. And and now um, all of the Mexican uh, and Spanish speakers who have right. come not just from Mexico, from, right. but from other Central and South America. Very nice. When, when I campaign, um, I used to print my campaign materials in four languages. Um, we used to include Hmong, but the Hmongs have mostly consolidated down, uh, down in South Sacramento. And so, but there's still a need to communicate with people in Spanish and in Russian. Yeah. Spanish, I think everybody needs to speak Spanish these days. It's California. Yeah. Another controversy, another sort of... Um, oh, can I yeah, Can sure. I add? Of course. Um, so one of the most popular things we do is our international festival. Yeah. Jelly typically has uh, about three dozen uh, different booths from different countries yeah, yeah. represented there, and there's a dozen different acts on stage that present the culture and heritage right. of some of the people who live with us. Right. So two more quick questions. So when locals see you on the street or out in the community without a formal event, it's just you in the supermarket, what do they usually say to you? More praise or complaints? Um, it's generally homelessness. Homelessness? Yeah. That's the, that's the issue. That's what's on everybody's mind. Yeah. And we are so blessed here in Rancho because our homeless outreach team and our navigators do try to make contact with everybody who is on the streets to make certain that, they're, that they don't have health issues or some other kind of you know, abuse issues or something like that, that, they're, right. that they get the services that they need. And anybody who is willing to take help, we will offer it. Right. Yeah, homelessness but yeah, is and and so you don't see the problem city. that you see in in the North area, no. but um, but yes, we do we do still have homelessness. So the 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 complaint of the man of the man and woman on the street, so right. to speak, is homelessness. And currently, you know, people, single women and families don't like to be in the Parkway, right. which is completely understandable. No, I understand. So we're almost out of time. Lastly, I just would like to ask you one final question, and then we're going to get to a quick-fire round that we're going to finish every podcast with. So (laughs) sort of a fun thing. But what do you think the most important role a city council member plays in a community? I will tell you. um, This is a direct quote from our first city manager, our long-term city manager, Ted Gabler. We are brokers, facilitators, and catalysts. And there you have it. We're going to end this podcast, every guest, the same way, with a lightning round of fun questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. So here you go. What is one word that best describes you? I guess dedicated or committed. If you can be one person for a day besides yourself, who would that be and why? I really overthought this one because you have to realize it positives come with negatives right. and so and I've thought about the prime directive right. <laughs> so the only thing I could come up with was me about 10 years ago you 10 years ago yeah yeah that's a that's good <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve again there's there's a couple things I could point to but it's really the anger and hostility and negativity that permeates the world today it does it's terrible. That is the saddest situation I've, that we have gotten to. I've never seen anything like no. it. No. People hate each other. Yes. That yesterday loved each other. Yes. And it's all politics. Yes. It's terrible. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong. Right. Do you have any hidden talents? I don't think so. No? Not one? I, well, I can think of one. You're a history buff. But that's not hidden. <laughs> no, that's not hidden. No. You're right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really... Uh, I think I try to use everything that God gave me. Yeah. Good. What project are you working on today that you just can't stop thinking about? There's just a lot going on in the city right now. Yeah. Um, We really have rebounded after the pandemic, and um, you can't drive around without seeing the construction. We've got three shopping centers under construction. We've got affordable housing about to break ground. We've got a senior complex about to break ground. It just, um, when I have time to think, uh, 
I've, I generally think about where we're going and, and how we're going to be as good a city in 100 years as yeah. we are today. And finally, what is your favorite restaurant in Rancho Cordova? Or is that an unfair question for a city council person? I don't think it is. Everybody has a favorite restaurant. I actually haven't got one. No? All of them. What I eat depends, right this minute, what I eat depends on what my husband wants to eat. Right. Okay. That's a fair answer. (laughs) Well, that's about all we have time for. Madam Vice Mayor, thank you so much. And we truly appreciate your time. Thank you, Charles. I've enjoyed it. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to the Rancho Cordova podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please follow us and leave us a review and be sure to tell your friends. Also, please visit our website at www.ranchocordovapodcast.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please send us a message via the website. And until next time, this is your host, Charles Lego. Charles Lego.